Welcome to another episode of Tech Disruptors by Bloomberg Intelligence. My name is Kunjan Shabani, and I'm a senior technology analyst on the Bloomberg Intelligence team, Bloomberg's in-house research group. We are very excited today to have Akash Palkiwala, the CFO of Qualcomm, a leader in connectivity and processing semiconductor technologies. Akash, it's great to have you here. I think it would be great to hear a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming the CFO at Qualcomm. Thank you, Kunjan, for having me, and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, My journey, honestly, is very similar to a lot of immigrants. Um, I grew up in India, uh, went to engineering school in India, and and realized that uh, my passion for numbers really is about finance more than engineering. So um, I came over to the U.S. to pursue an MBA in finance, and since then I've really been on this journey to uh, discover myself through a bunch of interesting roles. Um, I started off in a private equity uh, firm and uh, worked there for a bit. And it gave me a really great overview of uh, different kind of companies. And and after spending some time there, I had this itch to get closer to technology and the Qualcomm opportunity came along. And uh, it was super exciting. Qualcomm's exciting company now, but it's it was even a more exciting company than where it had just become obvious that to be able to do data on wireless networks, we were going to need something like CDMA. And so I joined Qualcomm 22 years ago, and it's just been a fantastic ride. I've had a chance to do a lot of different jobs within finance. I've spent, uh, spent a bunch of time doing acquisitions for the company as well. And... Uh, over three years ago, I was fortunate enough to be nominated into the CFO role, and um, I'm, uh, I've been enjoying the ride. Well, congratulations. Moving on to Qualcomm, I, I, I don't think anyone is not aware of the name, but just uh, for our listeners, if you can give sort of a quick snapshot of how should people think about Qualcomm today, um, its journey in the recent years and how it has transitioned today, and then we'll move on to the, the Qualcomm of the future. That's great. Uh, so if you, if you think about the history of Qualcomm, we started off with inventing 3G technology, and then we went on to uh, lead 4G and then 5G. And along the way, uh, we developed our chip business where we, we create this single system on a chip, SOC, that does all kind of connectivity processing and AI functions. And so if you think about our chip, our brand is Snapdragon. The the way the chip works is it integrates in 5G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, position location, CPU, GPU, AI, audio, video, security, a bunch of all these technologies are integrated into one single piece of silicon. And we've been powering smartphones with that piece of silicon. So that has been the legacy of the company for the last several years. As as Cristiano became CEO a couple of years ago, he has led the pivot uh, of Qualcomm from a smartphone company to a connected device company. And if you think about the uh, the transition that's happening in the world with uh, with cloud computing and all devices looking to connect to the cloud, we just find ourselves in this fortunate position where we can take the technologies we created for handsets and bring it into other devices, into automotive, into IoT, into PCs and metaverse or XR devices. And uh, and so we find ourselves in this fortunate place and the focus of the company has been to 
diversify the revenue stream based on based on that strategy. Great. And I mean, do you still consider it to be Hansard or a mobile company or how will the Qualcomm of the future in the next five years look like? As I said, Cristiano has very much led the pivot of the company away from just handsets. Handset, we expect that to continue to be a large portion of our, our company. And, and it's an area where we've done extremely well and we feel very good about what our position is going forward. But we also have a tremendous amount of internal focus, not just the way we think about the company and talk about the company externally, but the way we operate on a day-to-day basis is on the premise of taking this technology that we've created for handsets and applying it to all these new industries that are going through digital transformation. If you think about, as an example, retail as an industry that's going through digital transformation, the retailers are looking to connect various kinds of things within their stores, whether it's a camera, whether it's uh, price labels, whether it's handhelds that associates are walking around with, or their checkout counters in the stores. Each of those pieces are being connected to the cloud, and Qualcomm has the opportunity to provide the technology to make that happen. That's great. And if you were to quickly highlight a few key strategic growth areas that will drive this transformation? Yeah, sure. So uh, one area we are excited about is automotive. Uh, Automotive is clearly an industry that's going through a massive transition, and then it allows us to bring the technology we've created into cars and to make that transition happen for our uh, customer partners. Second, I'll say is the PC industry is going through a transition where it used to be an x86 architecture industry. It's going over to ARM, and we have the opportunity to be the player that enables that for the PC ecosystem. It has already happened in Macs. It's going to happen in PCs, and we can lead that. Uh, Metaverse devices, XR devices are becoming extremely interesting. Uh, We think it's going to be a different paradigm in how people interact with the physical and the digital world. And and that's an opportunity for us us as well. Uh, Maybe the last one I'll highlight, and maybe I pause there, but there are lots of other things as well, is the broad industrial transformation of uh, industries like retail and utilities, healthcare, agriculture, manufacturing, uh, into connecting everything to the cloud. And we're going to be the technology supplier to those areas as well. So uh, to be honest, you should think of really how you capture all of that together is the edge devices getting connected to the cloud and we'll be the technology supplier for those. That's great. I think we should deep dive into one of each of these key, key growth areas and it, it wouldn't make sense if we don't touch on the latest buzz, which is generative AI. I've been following Qualcomm for many years and I know that AI has been part of Qualcomm integrated processors for handsets for many years now. Um, but the launch of generative AI and large language models like ChatGPT late in last year has driven this sort of buzzwords or frenzy around it. Could you please help us understand how that AI that Qualcomm products have is either similar or different from the generative AI? And where does Qualcomm fit in in this new uh, era of AI? Absolutely. And, and it's definitely the topic du jour these days. If our general view on generative AI is the following, if you think about how processing played out, the processing, a lot of the processing used to happen in the cloud and then smartphones came in and a lot of the processing now happens on the device in addition to the cloud. 
And so you think of it as a hybrid processing environment that we've lived in for the last 10 years. As we look at generative AI, we see the same structure to the industry where there is going to be a cloud component to it and there's going to be a device component to it. And there are several use cases, especially on the inference side, we expect to run mostly on the device. And so we think of edge devices as playing a very critical role in generative AI and large language models going forward. Within the context of that, the opportunity for Qualcomm is, as you rightly said, we've had an AI engine in our chips for a long period of time. Now, AI can run on CPUs, it can run on GPUs, or it can run on dedicated AI hardware. We obviously have all three, but we think that long-term opportunity is to run it on dedicated AI hardware. The reason for that is that you want it to run in an extremely power-efficient manner. So when you're constantly running generative AI use cases in the background when a person is using their phone or their PC or IoT device or cars, you need it to be extremely power efficient. And that's the place where we think we're going to shine because we'll be able to bring something that's unique to the table. We've always had a very power-centric heritage. And the reason for that is we've been in phones where battery life is always the most important thing. And so each piece of technology we've built within phones has been with prioritizing power as, as, a, as a key benchmark. And so we think of it as performance per power is, is the ben metric that we follow. That same thing applies, that same philosophy has applied to our NPU, which is a uh, neural processor, which is in hardware in various devices. And we've had it for a long period of time. In the past, what that hardware piece was doing was doing other AI use cases, as, as an example, in camera, it was being used. It was being used within 5G uh, for efficient deployment of 5G networks and, uh, and performance. Now with large language models, we have the ability to increase the functionality that we offer in our chips to be able to handle large language models in the device. So we'll be able to take the cores that we've already had, expand their capability, and apply it to large language models. Uh, when we think about this, it's again, it's not just phones. We're going to bring that into all tiers across phones. We're going to bring it into PC. We're going to bring it into metaverse devices, other IoT devices. We're going to bring it into cars. And so this is something that becomes a pervasive advantage for us across all of our markets. And the the thing that creates the advantage for us is we can run very large models on the device, and we can do it in an extremely power-efficient manner. That's great. And does this advent of these sort of chat GPT-type models, does that accelerate your AI roadmap? Does it expand sort of the opportunities that you had assumed prior, or those the numbers still remain the same, but you're just moving in faster. Yeah, I, I think it accelerates our uh, roadmap for sure. We're going to need more capable hardware in our chips, so it increases the content on our chip. It also increases our competitive differentiation because we have something we feel like is unique and we'll be able to address much larger models than other devices on the edge will be able to. And, and when you combine both of those, it creates a competitive tailwind for us as we go forward. That's great. I'll switch topic a little bit, go to automotive. There is no surprise to anyone that EV penetration is growing every year. Uh, more and more car and auto manufacturers are embracing EVs 
rolling more and more models each year, um, with some large automakers like General Motors having publicly announced that they plan to exclusively offer EVs by 2035. Um, so in my opinion, this trend shift is definitely not a buzz or, um, anymore. I think it is real. Could you help uh, us understand how does Qualcomm play in this area? Um, when we think about the legacy semiconductor auto players, right? Qualcomm is not the name that pops up immediately if you look at who are the players for the last two decades. So just like give us a brief snapshot of what products does Qualcomm provide here? How is this area strategic importance uh, for Qualcomm? Yeah, so as you said, the the car industry is going through, we see it as a once-in-a-lifetime transition. And, and there are two parts to it in our minds. There is a electrification and digitization. And Qualcomm, and the, both of these trends are happening at the same time. So we talk of it as one uh, because it, together they're transforming the industry. But in itself, they're kind of separate and distinct trends. From a digitization perspective, that's where Qualcomm plays. And, and we, we, you're right, we've not been a large player in automotive for the last several years. But what happens is with the inflection point that is happening that we just talked about, the cars need different kinds of silicon, things that they have not needed in the past. And it needs a lot of the technology that cell phones have been doing for a long period of time. So that's the opportunity for us is to take advantage of this inflection point in the industry and become a significant player. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Our product line within automotive, I would divide into three parts. First is we sell a set of connectivity chips in cars. So this is 4G or 5G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, position location, all these technologies we, we've been, we're global leaders in and we can bring them to the cars. The second is when you think about the experience inside the car from a digital cockpit perspective, so whether it's the infotainment center, whether it's an instrument cluster, rear seat entertainment, rear view mirrors, there's so much content within the car that's going to be transformed from what used to be the old school user experience to more of a tablet or a smartphone-like user experience. And it allows Qualcomm to bring the technologies that we already have in those areas to these, uh, these experiences. And, and the amount of innovation that is happening in this area is just staggering, right? Everyone's obviously experienced a Tesla and how they change the UI uh, within the car. But we're seeing an acceleration across every single OEMs globally, including local OEMs in China, was just changing at a massive rate. And, and, and our technology portfolio is extremely relevant to that transition. The last part of the change that we are participating in is ADAS. What's happening with autonomous driving in our minds is we're going from basic autonomous driving features to level two plus and level three, which we see over the next several years is going to drive the majority of the cars. And eventually we'll end up going to level four and five. We, we see several problems that need to be resolved before we get there. But there is there is a transition that's happening in the industry. And, and that's another very interesting area where we can take technology from handsets and apply it from a chip perspective to those areas. In addition, we acquired a company called Vioneer, and we took their software efforts to start building an ADAS software stack. So this, this expands our revenue opportunity beyond silicon into software. And we're just fortunate to have this team that has been living in the automotive industry for a very long period of time. They understand the constraints and the needs of the automakers, 
and the requirements around security and reliability. And uh, so it's a combination of those three areas that we are participating in. And we see this as just the beginning. There's a lot more that needs to happen in the industry. We can bring a lot of technology to bear. At our investor day in November last year, we talked about a total design win pipeline of $30 billion in automotive. That revenue plays out over the next several years. And we are continuing to see more traction. So pretty excited about what's going on in the industry and what Qualcomm can bring to it. And I would like to double click on that software acquisition. I mean, um, I've been in this industry more than like, gosh, I don't want to age myself, but 15, 17 years. And and I started out, you know, no semiconductor company would used to talk about software. And I see this more and more getting talked about in semiconductor companies offering software, monetizing through software, acquiring software companies. So how do you see you know, after this initial acceleration in automotive, where basically, from what you described, a lot more semiconductor content is going to go in the cars, what do you see the positioning of software here? Do you think software revenues to semi-companies is going to be a significant portion uh, going forward? Or is that just a, you know, add-on or a component to your moat? Uh, great question. By the way, uh, you didn't age yourself. I've been doing this for 22 years, so I still have uh, more years on you. So from a software perspective, the way we think about software is twofold. First is it's an enablement of the silicon, and we've had that for the longest period of time, right? Within, within phones, going into other areas as well, uh, enablement software has become, has been extremely important for us. With ADAS, we saw a unique opportunity and the reason is the OEMs are looking for help in help with this transition that's happening in the industry. And it requires them to develop new skills. It creates an opportunity for us to contribute more towards their transition. And so what we saw is an opportunity to take the assets that Vionier had created, combine it with our chips, and really offer an end-to-end solution to the OEMs who wanted it. And, and it creates incremental, of course, it, it creates incremental revenue opportunity for us. But, uh, but you're right, it's not just about the incremental revenue. It also creates a stronger moat for us because an OEM can pick just our chip to start and then we can upsell our software stack on top of it. There are areas in which the OEMs might not need all of our soft, software stack, but a portion of it, and we'd be willing to work on that as well. So it really does become an incremental revenue opportunity for us. And, and as I see it, Kunjan, we're just at the beginning of this uh, transition. We have several more years to go and, and we're excited about uh, how software is going to play a role for us in this area. And, you know, once, let's say, every car, that every ICE car gets converted to an EV and gives you a significant jump in terms of semiconductor revenues, is, is there something structurally changing here where people are talking about one Initially, it just used to be you get that revenue when that once that car is manufactured. But now I've heard folks talking about every year there will be a software component of revenue. There will be updates as long as that car is running on the roads. Um, could you talk about that trend? How how real do you think it is, or how far it is? I think uh, it's it's a real trend within cars because the, the the replacement model within cars is different than consumer electronics. Consumer electronics is say in phones, it's three to four years. You're replacing your phone every three to four years. Cars typically have a much longer life cycle. So with that life cycle, it becomes extremely important 
to be able to improve the performance of the car through software updates over a period of time. It also requires the car to be connected to the cloud all the time. And that, that obviously has been a strength of Qualcomm for a long, long, uh, long period. One of the products that we have in our software portfolio, in our uh, automotive portfolio, is a product called car to cloud which connects, we provide the platform to the OEM, which connects the car to the cloud. It also allows us to connect our connectivity portfolio with digital cockpit and ADAS, and it becomes a way for the OEM to really update software, add capabilities through, to the car through the life of the car. And, and so to your, to your point, uh, it's not just about a one-time sale. It's really about maintaining that touch point with our customer uh, across the life of the car and be able to create a situation and build software and build products in a way where you're updating them as you go along. We'll move on to Metaverse and AR, VR. I know you have been one of the very early movers in this area and you have the dominant share of design wins when it comes to silicon um, for the AR, VR headset. Apple just recently announced its new headset could you t- talk about how do you view that announcement um, in general for the adoption of this technology and then more f- what it means for Qualcomm? Yeah, so th- as you said, Kunjan, we're, this is an industry we've been excited about. And one of the things we really like is the device, ARVR device that you'd wear on your head is a pretty unforgiving device in terms of performance requirements. You have to deliver very, very high performance in an extremely low power environment. It requires connectivity to the cloud all the time, and it requires very small form factor. And these are things, everything that Qualcomm does well coming together in one device. So we really like our chances. As you said, we've been working with partners uh, across the globe in being the chip supplier to them as they start experimenting with devices. Uh, Meta obviously is one of our largest customers and they've been, uh, they been working on these devices for a while. And you know, there are problems to be solved in the industry. We're happy to see Apple come in as well and help solve those problems because I think this is one where we expect the industry over, over, over a period of time to materialize and become a very big driver for us from a revenue and profitability perspective. And uh, having more people in the industry solving some of the user interface problems uh, and challenges that we have is a good thing. I think more content will come in, more people will pay attention to it, and the SAM will expand and will benefit from the expansion of the SAM. So we're, we're excited about all new devices coming in. Uh, as, as I'm sure you saw, Meta also announced a new device and, and that, uh, that uses our chip and we're excited about what we can bring to it. And I think that, uh, brings uh, a good flow into one of the key questions in this area that has been. I mean, we've been hearing about AR, VR for a while now. And like you pointed out, the the hardware requirements are the most complicated problems to solve for this device. But every time, you know, we hear that this is coming to reality soon, um, will be mass produced soon, and that date keeps on getting pushed out in general about the industry deployment. Do you think the Apple launch signals that we are here and it, it is going to be, we are very close to where it will be mass deployed? Or do you think there are still long ways to go? 
I don't know that it's any specific launch that drives it. I think it's a collection of launches. And and honestly, if you look at the price point of what Meta has been talking about and the new device that they highlighted, I think it's an extremely attractive device for the users. So in terms of the overall kind of the promise and when it materializes, it's honestly, it's no different than the auto industry conversation we just had, right? Like we all knew that it was an eventuality that was going to happen. And there were certain problems that needed to be solved before the market would take off. And then there were certain triggers within automotive that made it happen. Very, very similar on on XR as well. We, We firmly believe in the long term, this is a market that's going to happen at scale. You can debate how big it's going to be, but it's still going to be at scale. And when when that happens, uh, we'll be there to take advantage of it. And and in the meantime, we're working with our partners to solve some critical problems that need to be solved from a user experience perspective uh, to drive volume. And then speaking of those price points, I mean, that has, I think, been this second biggest uh, sort of, not obstacle, but delaying it. this technology to becoming mass uh, adopted. Uh, how do you see, do you see that the price points really need to come under a certain threshold for this to be mass deployed? Or do you think this technology and product will remain a high-end luxury product for the foreseeable future? Uh, the way I think about it is, if you look at the largest consumer electronics products in the world, so handsets over a billion units, and you could argue that pricing is in this range in the meta pricing range or higher. If you look at PCs, it's uh, several hundred millions of units and the pricing is pretty high as well. So I don't necessarily think that this is all about the pricing of the device. Of course, it's it's a key factor, but it's really about giving users the experience that's unique and that is sustainable and users want to go to it again and again. And and I think there's just a lot of logical things that fit into this form factor, gaming, watching content, uh, watching live uh, performances. Uh, there, there are various use cases, of course, social, uh, social use cases and meetings and things like that, uh, productivity related. So there's a lot of stuff that can happen with these uh, devices. And, and to me, it's really just bringing the right things together in the, in the industry to make it happen and how long it takes to make that happen. In the meantime, we're continuing to work with our partners to build the products, to build the content, to build the experiences. And, and when it happens, I think we're, we'll be there to take advantage of it. You know, I, was, I had the pleasure to attend the Qualcomm Digital Transformation Summit last month. And um, throughout my experience, you know, this was the unique part about this conference was more than just hardware or semiconductor companies or people in re- interested in semiconductor, there were a lot more percentage of system integrators, OEMs, ODMs, um, retail industry experts. So it, it was very unique to me. And it seems to me that in that space, that the key changes previously customers used to think of semiconductor companies just as a component provider that you choose one over the other. But it seems now there's a lot more collaboration that is happening uh, and they're becoming very smart about choosing their sort, not a semiconductor component provider, but a technology innovator of the future. Um, Could you talk about the importance of this area, the IoT and the digital transformation for Qualcomm and if that shift is structural and how do you see it going forward? 
Yeah, Kunjun, that's a that's a great question. When when we think about this industry, it's no different. The opportunity for us is no different than than I'll pick automotive, but I can draw three other parallels as well. Is as you asked me during the automotive uh, set of questions, we were not a player in the original industry. We've not been there historically, but the industry went through an inflection point, and the auto OEMs then said. I, I don't need just a chip supplier. I need a technology partner, someone who's going to work with me to solve the problems I need to solve to make this transition happen. We're seeing that happen in a bunch of different industries. So whether you look at retail or manufacturing or uh, utilities, each, each of these areas, the end customer, whether it's a retail store like Walmart, is saying, I have these problems I want to solve and I need help beyond just chip supply to solve those problems. How do I build a wireless network in my store? How do I connect all my price labels to my cloud? How do I use camera and computer vision to make decisions around inventory? And, and those are not just component problems, those are system problems. And if you look at the legacy of Qualcomm, we are a systems company that makes components to enable the system. There are a lot of our competitors who are component companies and they, with all due respect, they do very well in what they do, but they're not someone who is viewed, companies that are viewed as technology partners to solve large problems. And, and so what you saw in that conference is really a reflection of that ecosystem, thinking of Qualcomm as a systems company and helping solve large problems that they need to solve so that they can go on their own journey of digital transformation. And uh, and so we're very excited. We th we think each of these areas by itself is a vertical just like auto, right? Like you look at just retail, it's as big a vertical as auto. You look at healthcare or manufacturing, they're the same scale. And if we can create a niche for ourselves in each of these areas by enabling the transition and enabling the transformation that is happening in the industry, um, we think we can create several legs to the Qualcomm stool from a financial perspective. And when I look at this area, comparing it to the rest of the areas that you're focused on, um, you know, there's, there's a, it, it's significantly different in terms of its characteristic. I mean, when you look at auto, handsets, PCs, ARBR, typically you have this customer base where it's very top heavy, where the five to 10 largest customers are going to be driving the predominant volume. And once you get designed into them or you have traction there, you kind of have the majority share of the market. You know, this is very unique. This is the most diverse, in my opinion, most fragmented market that you're going after. So it, to me, it's very different in terms of its DNA. Do you, how do you see Qualcomm as a company approaching its go-to-market here when you have like 14,000 unique customers already? Do you see it, that you have to adapt a lot, uh, change structurally how you approach this market? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. And, and I think it requires a different set of muscles, right? Uh, we bring a lot of technology to the table. We don't need additional technology. A lot of, lot of the change that is required to go after this market is in terms of software enablement, how you sell into the channel, how you approach the customers, given the number of customers you're talking to. And so it requires a different set of muscles and, and we're building that internally. 
And as we've said in the past, we, we will, we've always looked at acquisition candidates to acquire new capabilities, whether, and, and these are smaller acquisitions I'm talking about, like we did for Vioneer, uh, we did with Nuvia for, uh, to acquire a CPU team. That is the opportunity for us is to accelerate it through smaller acquisitions. But this is something that we see as a massive opportunity that has all the right technology requirements that we can enable. And then the question is, how do you work with individual partners to make it happen? In, in this area, one of the ways to go to the market is through system integrators, through ODMs, through other OEMs, which bring a lot of scale to us. And so there is definitely a partnership model that we are leaning into. The other thing I'll say is we, we are not just looking at providing chips, right? Like the auto example, there is an opportunity for us to play a role from a software perspective and cloud connectivity perspective, as well as we enable it for our customers. So that's a, that's a second approach. And then third is really using the concept of lighthouse customers. So if you pick a large customer in an industry, you work with them and you build something that then becomes scalable across other players in the industry. And so that's that's another strategy that I think is going to be critical for us going forward. Right. I think we are nearing the end of our segment, so I'll try to get squeeze in a final question here. Are there any structural market-wide challenges in this area that you see either on at a company level, at a country or industry level, which needs to be solved before it can really take off? I, I think there's a different story for each vertical. I mean, this is not one market. It's an amalgamation of several verticals. And, and as I said, each vertical by itself represents a tremendous opportunity for us. And, and the challenges are different in each case. So it's difficult to generalize. But when we look at it from our perspective and look at it inside out, to me, the key thing that we have to resolve is the channel to each of these verticals. And how do we find the right partners? Who we, how do we find the right companies who can help us scale this channel quickly? And that's the, that's the opportunity and the challenge. That's great. Akash, it has been an immense pleasure and really wonderful having you on the show today. I think we covered a lot of topics. I look forward to continuing these conversations with you and the team at Qualcomm and hopefully learning about new product launches at the Snapdragon Summit up in October. Thank you for joining us.